just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Wednesday. We got plenty of stuff to talk about. There's a lot of stuff going down. But before I do that, I want to thank Ed for stopping in yesterday on our second podcast of yesterday. It's always a pleasure to have Eddie on board during the podcast. I'll be honest with you. Whenever Ed's on the show, it's the easiest podcast to do for me. Because I know who he is, I know how he talks, I know where he's going to go. We worked together on the air for 20 plus years, so it's a very easy scenario when Ed is on the show. So I'm always thankful when he finds time to show up. And he always has some great insights, especially about some of the things happening uh, in the country and in politics these days. So thanks to Ed. Probably won't hear from him again till next week after the holidays. But we'll be looking forward to it. Before we get to the business at hand, we have some emails as well. This first one comes from Denise. She says, Mike, with all the focus on referrals for indictments by the House Select Committee, people have forgotten the stated purpose of the committee. The January 6th committee was created by Congress to investigate the circumstances around the attack on the Capitol to recommend changes in law, policy, procedures, rules, or regulations to prevent future acts of violence and to strengthen the security and resilience of the United States and the American democratic institutions. I believe that the referrals of specific individuals to the DOJ for potential prosecution is part of that because accountability will strengthen the security and resilience of the United States in the future. But I'm also looking forward to seeing a rundown in the report of other changes they might recommend. I have a fear that Republicans will stand in their way for such changes since they may fly in the face of any future coup in their plans. Everything is a fight. I wish everything didn't have to be so hard. Live generously, Denise. You make a good point, Denise. Yeah, there was a reason for the, having this January 6th committee. It wasn't like a Republican thing where it was just simply revenge. We did have to figure some things out because on January 6th, so many things went so badly. I mean, our police situation, the National Guard, all of these things failed. And that's why what happened on January 6th was a success to a point. I mean, they actually didn't complete the coup, but they did complete an attack on our U.S. Capitol, which is unprecedented. So that's something we really have to look at. Something to consider about that, though. One of the reasons there were these failures wasn't so much a problem with rules or policies, it was about having a president who subverted those rules and policies. Rules don't matter to Donald Trump. And if a policy works against his better interest, he'll just throw it out the fucking window. And that's what he did. As much as the Republicans want you to believe that Nancy Pelosi was responsible for the National Guard not coming to the rescue, well, that's just not true. The National Guard is directed by people in the Pentagon, 
And the person in the Pentagon that was in charge of doing that happened to be Michael Flynn's crazy fucking brother. And they were taking orders from Donald Trump. So the fact that the National Guard didn't show up till three hours afterwards, well, that was on Donald Trump, just as much as Donald Trump sitting on his ass laughing about the violence for 187 minutes. There are some things we have to change, but I think the biggest thing we have to make sure of is we don't have a crazy, corrupt motherfucker like Donald Trump in a position of power ever again. And we're careful about who are the people in power in the Pentagon, in Congress, in the administration, and all these things. Donald Trump was like a fast-spreading cancer. As bad as he was, it spread through his administration, it spread through the Republican Party in Congress, it spread through the Pentagon, and as we're seeing now, it's spread through the Supreme Court. The cancer of Donald Trump metastasized throughout all of our government. And whenever I think about that, I think about the national anthem. You'll get what I'm saying here. The national anthem, the song goes that uh, we had a great fight. There were cannonballs flying in, all that. But still, the flag stood. The Still, the flag flew. And that's kind of the way I look at what happened on January 6th. Every possible thing was working against democracy in our government. We had all three branches in, 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 in alliance to overturn elections and to overthrow the government. And even still, democracy and our government stood. We should be proud of that. But we should also be wary and make sure nothing like that happens again. Because a failed coup is just a dry run for a successful coup. These people do what they did and they failed, but they learned some things about their failures. And if they try to attempt it again, well, maybe they will fix those problem areas and ultimately be successful. So that's why it's so urgent and so important. And Denise, I agree with you. We need to learn some things from what happened on January 6th and make sure that it doesn't happen again. And I think the first and foremost thing we've got to recognize is the people at the top, the people that allowed it to happen, the people that encouraged it to happen and even incited it to happen. We have to be careful not only with rules and policies within our government, we have to be very cautious about who we elect to high office because rules and policies make no difference to them. They will break them. They will subvert them. They'll do whatever they fucking have to do, just like Donald Trump has. So it's important to make these people accountable, make them know that if they try this again, they're not going to fare well. They're going to be accountable. They're going to be held responsible, and they're going to fucking jail. That's why indicting Donald Trump and all the rest is so absolutely crucial. If we don't do that, it just says to other people down the road that, well, not much happened. Maybe we can try it. I would even say the fact that uh, Richard Nixon was given a pardon gave Donald Trump some comfort in doing what he did. He saw Richard Nixon at that time, one of the most corrupt presidents we've ever had, 
not be accountable, not be held responsible. Gerald Ford said it was because, well, the nation's been through too much. And whether that's true or not, the fact is the message was sent. A president can do whatever the fuck they want and get away with it. Well, a president saw that and decided to try it for himself, except took it far further than Richard Nixon ever imagined. Now we can't worry about the unrest in the country or how it's going to affect the country. The fact of the matter is the country has been affected dramatically just by the actions taken by this president. And while indicting a former president could cause some problems in this country, nowhere near the problems that will occur because we decide not to indict him. So there's been a lot of lessons learned, and hopefully they take them to heart and they do what they can to remedy these problems. And hopefully as we as a nation can be a little smarter and not elect a motherfucker like Donald Trump ever again. All right, the next email comes from a woman by the name of V. She says, hello, Mike, on your podcast yesterday, you were talking about the Republicans preparing to investigate the Democrats and wanting to issue subpoenas to get them in front of Jim Jordan, who covered up abuse at Ohio State. Jordan and other GQP members who are guilty themselves, but will have power to investigate. Well, here's my thoughts on this. I say, let the Democrats abide by these subpoenas and show up for these sham hearings, but they need to be prepared to give it right back to the Republicans. They can answer in a way to turn it on the person asking. For example, if Adam Schiff Schiff is being questioned by Jim Jordan, Schiff can answer, well, Jim, why did you plan an insurrection and why didn't you come before us and answer questions? The Democrats have to bring their A-game from now on and be prepared to thwart these power-hungry Republicans. They have to step it up and be just as sneaky as them. They want a spectacle, give them a spectacle. I usually don't advocate for those kinds of things. I want our government to function smoothly and work for us. But these are not normal times, and these GQP members need to be dealt with. Thanks, V. Well, V, I think you've grasped what I've been saying. As much as Michelle Obama, and I respect her immensely, I think she's a wonderful, intelligent woman, probably one of the finest first ladies we've ever seen. Um, She says when they go low, we go high. And I respect that perspective. But at some point when you're dealing with bullies, sometimes you got to get down there in the mud with them. Give them what they understand and beat them at their own game. This is the only way to shut them down at some point. You know, as much as the Republicans are excited about the uh, House of Representatives and their slim margin of power, as I said to Ed in the previous podcast, they may have been better off losing the House than winning the House by a slim margin. Because everything that doesn't happen in the House, when nothing gets done, they are going to be held responsible for it come 2024. These people can't come together on anything. They can't even decide who's going to be Speaker of the House. So how are they going to legislate? They are going to look like the Apple Dumpling Gang, not being able to figure out what the fuck they're doing. So they can get all excited 
but they're going to have to figure out a way where they can all come together and actually get something done. If they want to do investigations, fine. It'll be just like Benghazi. They did all this work, put all this time in, put all the money in, and found absolutely nothing. That's not going to get them votes. That's not going to get them favor with their uh, constituents. So let them fucking do it. It's all a joke. Everything the Republicans do is a joke. So let them fucking do it. Well, today is Wednesday, and it's a big day. Actually, yesterday was a big day. Monday was a big day. Today is an even bigger day than the first two. And here's why. We had the January 6th committee's final hearing on Monday, complete with criminal referrals for Donald Trump and others. But today, they will be releasing their full report, plus all the evidence to support that report. This is after 18 months of investigation, 1,200 witnesses deposed, and hundreds of thousands of documents, including text, emails, transcripts, and video depositions, in addition to a voluminous executive summary. That was released Monday. There will be a mother load of evidence, and the shit show will commence. The bad news for Trump and Republicans has only just begun. There were some people who were disappointed by the Monday hearing or Monday meeting, whatever they call it, because they were thinking of something explosive and and um, exposing all kinds of things. But that was never what that was going to be. As I told Ed in the previous podcast, that was pretty much a setup, a preamble, if you will, to the actual circus, to the actual shit show. They can only say so much in an hour, hour and a half time. And they said a lot. Getting to the criminal referrals was rather explosive. That is unprecedented. It's something we've never seen in history. And it's starting people to stir. Donald Trump is running off at the mouth on True Social, talking incoherently and talking crazy because he knows he's done. He's cornered. This stuff is going to come out. And it's funny With all that uh, we're seeing that's going to be coming out and the criminal referrals to Donald Trump, it's funny that we have not seen one Republican step up to support him, to protect him, which is contrary to what we've seen over the past six years. So why would that be? Why are they so quiet now? Well, they're quiet now because they know it's not just Donald Trump in trouble. The evidence is going to come out. It's going to expose Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Jenny Thomas, uh, Roger Stone, sitting members of Congress, all these people. They can scoff at hearings, but when the evidence is out there for everybody to peruse and the supporting documents are with it, They're going to be hard pressed to deny, divert and distract. They aren't going to be able to do it. The Republican Party is going to be overwhelmed with the evidence that's out there. It's going to come from them at all angles. See, Benny Thompson made a good choice when he decided to release it to the public and not just the DOJ and not just uh, the, uh, uh, the, the, the Republicans. He gave it to everybody. Every media outlet is going to be scouring that. 
And day in and day out for some time, they're going to come up with new evidence, new information, and it will be the spotlight of their broadcast. I can tell you on the Rational Boomer podcast, I'll be going through this stuff, picking and choosing those things that are compelling and interesting and very damning. And that will give me something to talk about virtually every fucking day. So that is where the impact is going to be. If you thought the explosiveness would show up in the hearing, that's not the case. That was just setting up the circus or the shit show. That's coming today. The report, we've seen the executive summary. It's pretty voluminous. We've seen the executive summary, but now we're going to see the full report. It's a lot of shit. It's a lot of evidence, text messages, emails, documents, transcripts, videotape depositions. We don't know hardly anything about what the January 6th committee compiled in terms of evidence. We don't know most of it. But starting today, we'll have the opportunity to learn it all. The Republicans are not going to be able to juggle all this at one time. They're masterful at distracting, diverting, and delaying and all of those things. But there's just going to be too much, and it's going to come from all sides, from all sorts of media, all sorts of people, other politicians. They are going to get hit from all sides. They are going to find out what that term means, fuck around and find out, because they've been fucking around for six years. Now they're fixing to find out, and they ain't going to like it. And I, and I may have a story about this later, but I just heard, too, before I started doing the podcast, that apparently the J6 committee is not quite done yet. And what I mean by that, apparently they've agreed to work very closely with the DOJ. You have to understand the DOJ has a grand jury for the January 6th insurrection. They've already started investigations. They've already started depositions. They've gone a long way. I don't know if they've gone as far as the J6 committee. But now what's going to happen is the Department of Justice will get all the evidence from the J6 committee, like all of us are. And they're going to get the January 6th committee to work in conjunction with them at the DOJ, helping them to get up to speed with whatever evidence they don't already have. This is going to speed along the DOJ's uh, um, process. You know, it's funny. I, I posted some stuff on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. And I had one person post to one of my accounts and they said, Oh, see, nothing happened. They they watched the, the meeting. Nothing happened. They didn't even indict anybody. They're just handing it off to the DOJ. I said, look, dumb fuck, what did you think was going to happen? You're impossible to argue with if you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Please tell me what you thought the J6 committee was going to do. Well, Donald Trump wasn't convicted. I said, see, there you go. You don't know what you're fucking talking about. If you looked at anything, listened to anything, maybe you read an article, you know that the January 6th committee has no legal power. 
It's all about gathering evidence and information and providing it to the public and then making referrals to the DOJ. That's exactly what they fucking did, and they did an actually uh, they actually did a very good job of it. The only people that are going to throw out indictments are the DOJ. Anybody with an eighth grade education and a couple of civics classes under their belt would fucking know that. But since you're a Trumplican, you're fucking stupid, and I don't even know how you dress yourself. So anyway, then they went on to say, besides, Donald Trump didn't break any uh, laws. <laughs> Again, you're not fucking reading. He clearly broke a number of laws, and there's uh, convincing evidence of all of it. See, this is what they do. They come on my post, they go talk to somebody else, and they try to gaslight but here's the problem. Generally, they're not too smart. They're not very good at what they're trying to do, and they're easily exposed and embarrassed. <clears throat> so if there are any Trumplifucks out there that want to debate me or anybody on, uh, on uh, what's really going on, by all means. But try to read something before you come. I, I, I have a real problem with stupid people. Fortunately, the vast majority, if not all the people that listen to the Rational Boomer podcast are intelligent folks and have reasonable minds. So there's nobody really out here in the podcast audience that is going to uh, argue with what we're saying. But on TikTok and YouTube and Instagram, there are some dumb motherfuckers out there, I tell you. That's why I prefer doing the podcast. I don't have anybody looking over my shoulder. I don't have to deal with Trumplifucks. So we had the meeting with the J6 committee on Monday. The executive summary was released, and that was problematic for Donald Trump. He's spitting and sputtering right now, doesn't know what the fuck to do. Today, the January 6th report and all the supporting evidence are being released today. How could it get worse for Donald Trump? How much worse could it get, do you ask? Well, it's gotten worse. <laughs> because you see, yesterday, the Democratic-controlled House and Ways Mean, House Ways and Means Committee voted along party lines Tuesday to publicly release a report on Donald Trump's tax returns, which the former president has long tried to hide. Now, I said it was voted on party lines. Of course, the Democrats hold uh, the majority in the House, and they do in the House Ways and Means Committee as well. So that means all Democrats voted to release it. All Republicans voted not to release it. Nothing you wouldn't expect. Committee Chairman Richard Neal of Massachusetts said supporting materials will be released along with the report. Texas Representative Kevin Brady the committee's top Republican raised concerns about privacy as the documents could contain information such as Social Security numbers. Well, never fear. Richard Neal had already thought about, thought about that. And what they're going to do is prior to it being released, and actually I just heard late last night that it was released, so I think it's out there right now. But what they did is they redacted any personal information. Uh, now, you have to understand why they did this. 
why the House Ways and Means Committee insisted on getting these tax returns. It was a long fight, too. It took three years. They took it to the Supreme Court, but even the Supreme Court says, no, Donnie, you got to give them your taxes. But here's the deal. The reason they did that is because they wanted to check if the IRS was doing what they were supposed to do. You see, there's a rule, an IRS rule, that says that every president and vice president has to be has to have a mandatory audit every year while they're in office. Now, in most cases, most presidents release their taxes, so the audit isn't quite a big deal. In the case with Donald Trump, who refused to release his taxes, this was kind of a fail-safe. I mean, somebody needed to know what Donald Trump was doing in case there was something that would uh, compromise him in his money part of his life, which is probably the case with Donald Trump. So according to the rules, their own rules, the IRS rules, Donald Trump should have been audited each of the four years he was in office. Now, it's interesting. Donald Trump always said, look, I'd be happy to give you my taxes, but I'm under an audit. I can't which was bullshit, because it turns out the IRS not once did they audit Donald Trump while he was in office, breaking their own rules. They never audited Donald Trump, which is problematic. Now, the question is, why didn't they audit Donald Trump? Well, that's a good question. Was it because, well, they got busy? Was it because, oh, they forgot? Or was it because Donald Trump installed his own IRS Uh, uh, director and told him not to do it. Because if that's the case, that is a problem and that is illegal. And that's something we need to investigate. But the bottom line is the Ways and Means Committee found out that whatever program the IRS had about mandatory audits wasn't working. So now the Ways and Means Committee has to figure out a way to fix that. That is something they need to continue, and they need to fix it very quickly. Now, the report could provide a fuller look into Trump's personal and business finances, possibly revealing how much money he paid in taxes, what income he derived from foreign operations, which is important, and whether his income was as large as the reputed multi-billionaire has suggested. The report comes after a years-long battle that ultimately resulted in the Supreme Court clearing the way last month for the Treasury Department to send the returns to Congress. The committee received six years of tax returns for Trump and some of his businesses. Democrats, of course, when they finally got it, they're under pressure to act aggressively. They had just two weeks left until the Republicans formally take control of the House. Um... And you can be assured that had they taken over and these taxes were still hanging out there, they would have shut that down completely and quickly. Tuesday's meeting was an opportunity for Democrats to disclose whatever information they have gleaned on a figure who still shapes U.S. politics today despite losing re-election in 2020. The thing about it is, is everybody says to me, why are you still talking about Donald Trump, for Christ's sake? (laughs) 
Well, I'll tell you why we're talking about Donald Trump. He's still controlling the Republican Party. He's still fucking up this country. And as long as he's doing that, we'll be talking about Donald Trump. After that, maybe I'll just talk about Donald Trump to laugh at his ass when he's getting indicted and put in jail and going broke. I'll talk about Donald Trump as long as I have to. He's had a serious impact on this country and the history of this country. Nobody should ever forget Donald Trump and the crimes he's committed. Now, of course, on this House Ways and Means Committee, you got Republicans. They weren't for releasing these taxes. Hmm, wonder why. House Republicans right now are furious that Democrats have obtained and might release. Not might, they did. They already released them. They are out there currently, and the media is going through them. Um, Representative Kevin Brady, this guy interested me. Representative Kevin Brady, standing with more than a dozen of his colleagues at a press conference Tuesday, said that if Democrats publicize Trump's taxes, they will jeopardize the right of every American to be protected from political targeting by Congress. But the Brady top Republican on the House committee that obtained Trump's tax information declined to say that those in his party would not also take advantage of tax disclosures to obtain and release private tax information. We're not going to speculate on what our actions will be, Brady said, in response to a reporter's question. What we know for certain is the Democrats are unleashing a dangerous new weapon that's going to have severe consequences. What is he saying there? He's doing what every Republican does. He says, if you do that, we're going to do this. It's always a threat, you know. This is the bullying tactic. If you do that, I'm going to hammer you. You better watch out. I heard one of them say, listen, if you do this to Donald Trump, we'll just do it to Obama and Biden. Well, go ahead, because they both release their taxes. There ain't shit you can do to them. The thing is, Democrats aren't exactly doing that. Since 1924, certain congressional committees have had the same power as the president to ask the Treasury Department for anybody's tax returns. This has always been the law. Both Republicans and Democrats have used that authority in recent years. So this isn't new. This isn't ominous. This isn't anything. This is just more bullshit from the Republican Party. Republicans in 2014 wielded the same disclosure powers that Democrats are using now as part of an investigation into the IRS allegedly mistreating conservative groups seeking tax-exempt status. Republicans wound up publishing private tax information related to some of the organization as an attachment to a letter urging the Justice Department to prosecute an IRS official. See, they're all against it when it comes against them, but they can do whatever they want. In 2019, Democrats asked for six years of Trump's tax returns under Section 6103 of the tax code. Trump had been the first presidential nominee in decades to refuse to voluntarily release his returns for the sake of transparency with voters about his income. 
So on Tuesday, Representative Richard Neal, who chairs the House Ways and Means Committee, called for a special closed committee meeting, that was yesterday, where the lawmakers could privately discuss the material they obtained, as well as hold a vote on making the information public. The, the, the hearing went on for quite a while, but it ended later in the night, and they announced that they were going to release his taxes. And the fact of the matter is that's really the only option they had. You know, they could hold hearings and they can go through that process. But unfortunately, the Republicans will take over on January 3rd and then it would all stop and it would all go away and getting these taxes would be all for naught. And it's absolutely crucial that um, we get these taxes to find out what criminal activity he was involved in. Clearly, he made an effort not to turn over his taxes. And what it sounds like is he went to the IRS to stop them from doing an audit. You do those two things, you have to wonder, what are you hiding in those taxes? And it could be something that could be damaging to this country. Like I've said before, if he gets money from foreign countries, which he probably does, and he's probably tried to cover up in those taxes. So it may take some digging to get that out. If he's doing that and he's obliged to these adversarial and enemy countries, well, that's a problem because he is now compromised and would uh, suggest something even more drastic or more uh, concerning with his stealing of top secret documents. So we do need to know this. We need to know where all the documents are, and we still don't know that as yet. We need to know if he's getting money from foreign countries. He may be selling these documents or or securing loans or whatever the fuck. Or maybe, you know, maybe getting $2 billion for his uh, son-in-law from Saudi Arabia. It's all pretty interesting. It's all pretty frightening, and it's something we need to address. And now that we will have his taxes... We will be able to find out and address those things. I think the biggest hit Donald Trump will take in releasing these taxes is to his ego. He is a narcissist. He's built his brand on being a billionaire. It sounds like what's in these taxes are huge losses every year and him paying zero taxes. This is going to contradict him being a billionaire. And that will be the thing that upsets him the most. So get ready. <laughs> get ready from the shit flying from True Social. He may even jump on Twitter at this point because he's going to be fucking desperate. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we will be right back. Well, with the evidence from the January 6th committee and Donald Trump's taxes being released, you're going to see the Republicans, and Donald Trump for that matter, freaking out a little bit. They are going to be upset. They are going to be scared. They're going to be freaking the fuck out. They're going to do some crazy things. And the one guy that probably is the most freaked out at this point, because he's got even more problems, is Kevin McCarthy. Before he can even worry about the evidence from the J6 committee, or Donald Trump's taxes. He's got his own personal problems within the upcoming 
Republican majority House of Representatives. He wants so badly to be the Speaker of the House. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like he's going to get 218 votes, at least not the first time through. So because of that, he's a little nervous. And you can tell by the way he's reacting. On CNN Tuesday, anchor Jake Tapper and his panel reacted to the new threat from House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy that if any Senate Republicans back the bipartisan omnibus spending package on track to pass the Senate shortly, he will scuttle any legislation those Republicans introduce that reaches the House when he is Speaker. So what he's saying is if you Republicans dare to side with the Democrats... I'll make you pay. And who's he making pay? His own fucking people. He's working against his own best interest. He is looking for revenge against his own people. Kevin McCarthy desperately trying to get the number of votes he needs to become the next leader in the House. He is threatening senators if they vote for this $1.7 trillion omnibus spending package that any future legislation they offer will be dead on arrival when it comes to the House. (laughs) Kev, you don't even know if you're going to be Speaker of the House. You're already making claims, demands, and threats, and you ain't nobody yet. Then Tapper Cut to a clip of CNN congressional correspondent Manu Raju speaking to Senator Kevin Kramer, who appeared unmoved by the ultimatum. Apparently, those senators aren't afraid of uh, Kevin McCarthy. Or as Bernie Mac used to say when he started his show, I ain't afraid of you motherfuckers. (laughs) Kramer went on to say, well, I don't know if I buy the threat, but I find it Kevin's in a tough spot, said Kramer. Statements like that and statements coming from the House Republicans is the very reason that some Senate Republicans feel they probably should spare them from the burden of having to govern. So you see what's happening here. And I've said this before, and a lot of people, Ed and Tony, they kind of disagreed with me or they weren't so sure. These Republicans are deciding to negotiate with the Democrats as opposed to be in line with the MAGAs. And I really think that's going to happen, not only in the Senate, but in the House. Tapper goes on to say, I mean, this is the exact irony. The reason that the Senate Republicans are coming into this deal with the devil, in their view, is because they look at Kevin McCarthy and his gang of flying monkeys. They're not going to be able to legislate. And if they want to get elected in 2024, there's going to have to be some legislation. Boston Globe, Washington correspondent Jackie Kucinich concurred. They were saying it's going to be dead on arrival anyway because of the composition of your current conference, said Kucinich. This is the second time Kevin McCarthy has tried to flex on Mitch McConnell when he doesn't have the votes to be speaker. He's having to whip his speaker and his vote in a way I've never seen. I think there is an expectation that there is going to be multiple rounds of voting. Kevin McCarthy is in trouble here. And because Kevin McCarthy is in trouble, so is the Republican Party. They're finally getting some power. Slim as it may be, they are finally getting some power in the House of Representatives. But what are they going to do with it?
First of all, they're making threats against the Senate. They want to block everything that the Democrats want to do. And, and here's the irony of it. Who's the biggest obstructionist in Congress? Well, that would be Mitch McConnell. But Mitch McConnell is the one that's helping to go along with the omnibus bill, and this is pissing off McCarthy. Now, McCarthy's trying to flex a muscle he doesn't even have yet because he's not the Speaker of the House. He may end up being fucking nobody, just a rep in a row. But he's acting like he's Speaker of the House, and while he may get there at some point, it's not going to be without getting through some embarrassment. There has never been a Speaker of the House in the last hundred years that hasn't got elected in the first ballot. The way it looks right now, Kevin McCarthy will not get it through the first ballot, if he gets it at all. It's going to take some time, and that's going to be an embarrassment to Kevin McCarthy, and it's going to make and weaken McCarthy and the Republicans. As Ed and I were talking about, the only way McCarthy gets to be Speaker of the House if, is if he gives away some of his security and power to the Magafox. And then the Magafox will dictate what the Republican Party does. And of course, we've got all these people that want to get away from the MAGA party. So now you've got essentially two factions within the party, which makes the party as a whole fucking weak. So let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that's the way it goes. So the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riots, of course, held its final hearing on Monday. Um, but as I stated before, the committee's work appears to be far from finished. And this is good news. I talked about this earlier in the podcast. As reported by Punchbowl News, the committee has begun cooperating extensively with the United States Department of Justice after wrapping up the first phase of its work, including sending information to recently appointed special counsel Jack Smith. Now that they're done with what they are doing, they had their show, they gave their final presentation, they're releasing the evidence to the general public, and now they're joining up with Jack Smith. There might have been some tension between the DOJ and the January 6th committee, the DOJ was asking for them to turn over a lot of documents, a lot of evidence, and they refused to do it at first. The J6 committee rightly suggested, hey, why are we helping you to do this? That's your job. You should be ahead of us, but you're not in this case. They didn't want to give away their power. They wanted to finish out what they started, and they did. And now that they did, they can afford to side with and assist the DOJ. And that's not good news for Donald Trump. Now you've got two groups of people that have done extensive investigation into the crimes that Donald Trump and his little trump fucks committed. And it's going to make things a lot easier for those indictments to fly in the not-so-distant future. Now, starting last week, the select committee began sending Smith's team's documents and transcripts much of the production from the January 6th committee is in relation to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows and John Eastman, the Trump lawyer at the center of the faked elector scheme. The committee on Monday made four criminal referrals, as you know, for President Donald Trump on charges ranging from 
well, obstruction official of an official proceeding, conspiracy to defraud the government, to making knowingly and willfully materially false statements to the federal government, and of course, to inciting or assisting an insurrection. All of those things can be proved. There's evidence that we've already seen. Now, it's unclear whether Smith's office will pursue any of the four charges laid out. They're under no obligation to do that. These are just referrals by the J6 committee. They have no legal power. They refer it and suggest it to the DOJ, but the DOJ will ultimately make their own choices. But you can bet that these crimes that the J6 committee has referred are things they've already been looking at. In fact, things that they might even have more evidence for. As I've always said, you don't have to get Donald Trump on four indictments. You just have to get him on one. And Donald Trump doesn't have to worry just about the DOJ and specifically the DOJ looking into the January 6th insurrection. He's got to worry about Jack Smith. Now, Jack Smith is working on the insurrection, but he's also working on the top secret documents in Mar-a-Lago issue. If you only got one from each, that's two indictments. And then you got Fonnie Willis in Georgia. There's likely to be coming some indictments out of there. Then you have New York. You have Letitia James with her civil trial, her civil lawsuit. We have uh, the Manhattan District who already convicted the Trump Organization. And now they're looking at Donald Trump, not only for the fraud the Trump Organization committed, but also the Stormy Daniels shit. Can you imagine having that much shit hang over your head? As I've told Tony and I told uh, Ed, I don't think Donald Trump will run in 2024. I don't think he'll be capable. Either he will be legally restricted from running or he just will not be healthy. As I've said, he's going to be 78 years old in 2024. He's not in the best physical condition. He doesn't look good, and he eats Big Macs and Taco Bell all day, every day. It's conceivable that two years from now, with that kind of lifestyle and all the pressure that's currently hanging over his head, he may not be physically up to running for the President of the United States. Now, here's an interesting thing and a troubling thing for lawyers for the Republican Party. The former leading ethics attorney in the Trump administration urged ex-White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson to give misleading testimony to the January 6th committee investigating the 2021 Capitol insurrection. That was reported on CNN last night. Well, I don't need to tell you that's a little fucking illegal and might explain why Cassidy Hutchinson initially had a lawyer paid for by the Republicans and then fired said lawyer and got her own personal lawyer. She saw what was going on there. She was pretty safe. She didn't commit any crimes. But if she stood in league with these lawyers telling her to do illegal things, and she did them, now she would be culpable. That's why she got rid of that lawyer. And now we find out it was because they told her to give misleading testimony. That's a problem. 
Now, in its final hearing on Monday, the committee revealed it had evidence a former White House attorney encouraged a witness to mislead the panel about what they knew. The committee did not identify the individuals involved, but certainly we're talking about Cassidy Hutchinson and the Trump lawyer that tried to get her to lie. Now, CNN has reported that the lawyer in question is Stefan Passantino, who allegedly advised Hutchinson to tell the committee under oath that she did not recall details, even though she did. And that's a common ploy in these situations. We heard it a million times. I don't recall. <laughs> they, they recall a lot of stuff, but anything that might be negative against them, the Republicans or Donald Trump, they just don't seem to fucking recall. They think it's a way to slip through this or to get a loophole or something. But as we're finding out here, it is going to come back to bite them in the ass. Though the committee declined to identify the people, CNN has learned that Stefano Passantino, the top ethics attorney in the Trump White House, is a lawyer who allegedly advised his then-client, former White House aide Cassidy Hutchinson, to tell the committee that she did not recall details that she did, in fact, recall. Now, here's the irony of this whole thing. This lawyer, who's telling her to lie, is identifying as a ethics attorney. <laughs> An ethics attorney with no fucking ethics who's willing to lie to push along their agenda. Trump's Save America Political Action Committee paid for Passantino and his law firm, Elections LLC, including paying for his representation of Hutchinson. So you see what was going on there. Donald Trump had this lawyer. And he was paying for the lawyer. And he was being a nice guy. He gave Cassidy Hutchinson a free lawyer. But it was his lawyer. Hutchinson asked about the financial setup at the time, but he was never to she was never told the details according to the committee. As I said, Hutchinson ultimately got a new attorney. She wasn't feeling comfortable with a guy telling her to lie. She was a key witness during the committee's hearings, and her testimony provided some explosive moments. Now, in one instance, she recalled that on January 6, 2021, Donald Trump screamed at his Secret Service detail when he learned he was being driven to the White House instead of the Capitol. Shortly before that incident, Trump gave an address to supporters and urged them to march to the Capitol in a futile yet violent attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Now, of course, all the Secret Service is saying that she's lying, that it never happened. And she said she never saw it. She said that uh, she was told this and she was passing it along. It is secondhand information, but it came from the source of the information. So when all this evidence comes out, we are going to see some of the testimony from the Secret Service. And I will tell you, in my personal opinion, we've got real problems in the Secret Service. They are not ethical. They are not doing the job they're supposed to be doing. And they did everything. Tony Orinato, the Secret Service guy that was then hired on Donald Trump's staff, was doing everything he could to lie. He's testified. He wasn't very forthcoming to the J6 committee. And uh, again, that's problematic for him. He's not very good at telling the truth or being forthcoming.
And as much as he thinks he got himself out of trouble, he probably put himself in more trouble. Let's talk about a goofball. <laughs> you know I'm talking about Elon Musk. He bought Twitter. He fucked up Twitter. He's making all kinds of ridiculous statements. He's siding with white supremacists and the Republican Party. He says he's all about free speech, but then he blocks uh, um, journalists from being on Twitter. He gets kicked back, so then he lets them back on. This guy is a fucking mess. You remember when he was trying to decide whether Donald Trump should be let back on Twitter, he did a poll on Twitter, and he said he would abide by that poll. And so he allowed Donald Trump to come back on, which Donald Trump has not because he's under some contractual restriction from True Social. I mean, why would True Social want him to go out back on Twitter if they want him to try to make... Um, True Social, a going affair. Well, True Social is not working out too well. I'll be surprised it's even around six months from now, but we'll see. But Elon Musk has been nothing but a clown show. As I've said before, many people thought he's brilliant and an unbelievable, amazing businessman. And since taking over Twitter, we have seen no evidence of that. He's neither smart nor a good businessman. If he was a good businessman, he wouldn't have bought Twitter for $44 billion and now have it a value of $8 billion. He wouldn't have the Tesla car company be 60% less of its value now than, than a year ago. He's not doing well financially. So... I think he's feeling the heat of being on Twitter. I think he doesn't like the backlash from the things he says. He's on the verge of being canceled completely, which I know the Republicans absolutely hate. So Elon Musk put a poll on Twitter asking, should he step down as CEO? Well, the poll didn't go his way. Maybe it did. Maybe he does want to step down. The poll ended Monday morning with 57.5% of the voters saying he should step down and 42.5% saying he shouldn't. So Elon Musk said, I will resign as CEO as soon as I find someone foolish enough to take the job. No truer words have ever been spoken. Who would want that shit show of a job, especially after Elon Musk fucked it up? After that, I will just run the software and server teams, he tweeted. He said, I will abide by the results of this poll Musk had pledged Sunday night. As the saying goes, be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. He also tweeted Sunday, later adding, those who want power are the ones who least deserve it. Musk, who acquired Twitter in October, helms electric car maker Tesla and spacecraft company SpaceX. He said on Sunday that he has not selected a successor for the top position at the social media platform. No one wants the job. Who can actually keep Twitter alive? Musk asked. And he's absolutely right. Who would want the motherfucking job? It's a mess. Now, had Elon Musk not messed it up, well, then maybe somebody would want to take it. But uh, 
he's going to have a problem finding someone to fit in, to step in as CEO. It's going to have to be somebody desperate, somebody that's crazy. Oh, I got an idea. He's got some experience in social media. He's got some experience in the media. He's crazy as a fucking loon. Who am I talking about? Alex Jones. <laughs> well, Alex has got some of his own problems. Alex lashed out at his audience on Tuesday for believing what he said was propaganda from the mainstream media following a bank bankruptcy hearing. You remember what happened. He had to stay because he was filing bankruptcy before he would have to pay these people the $1.5 billion that he doesn't have. Well, the judge took that stay off, and that put a little crimp in Alex Jones's style. And apparently, Alex isn't happy about it. He's becoming as unhinged is Donald Trump. Now, during his InfoWars broadcast, Jones faulted media reports that said he had been stripped of some bankruptcy protections. The broadcaster noted that his attorneys agreed to the court order. Well, he was stripped of some protections. Whether he likes to say he didn't or not, he was. <laughs> now, Alex Jones is looking for some sympathy here. He says, this place is on the edge of insolvency. We're in bankruptcy to try to get through this and to try to minimize the bills. And then a bunch of audience thinks, well, he's going off the air. I'm not going to support him. So he's whining that people are seeing his eminent destruction. And so they're not going to support him. So not only does he have a $1.5 billion bill hanging over his head, he's got people falling away and not sending him money for bullshit um, uh, vitamins or whatever the fuck he sells. Jones said that even if a judge granted him $1.3 million salary, he would eventually would not even be able to buy food. So what he's saying is the judge in this bankruptcy thing would allow him a certain amount of money to live on. And apparently he's asking for $1.3 million salary. Well, that's going to be hard to collect if you're media kingdom has been run into the ground. But he's even saying that even if he got a million three, he wouldn't be able to buy groceries. He said, it's a liberating feeling. I kind of feel good in this fight that I'm going to get down to the point where I can't buy groceries. That makes me feel actually like I've done my job. I'm actually liking this in a way. <laughs> And this is what the Republicans always do. No matter how bad it looks, they'll say, I'm happy about this. We won. <laughs> no, you didn't, Alex. You fucking lost. You lost big. His demeanor darkened as he reflected on the bankruptcy hearing. He says, I don't tell lies. You got that? Well, yeah, you do, Alex. You said that uh, Sandy Hook was a hoax. That's my secret. My brain becomes more powerful every day because I've trained myself not to lie to myself, not to lie to my audience, and not to lie in front of God. Well, Alex, this must be a new strategy because for many years you've been lying to yourself, you've been lying to the audience, and you've been lying to God. I don't care what you fucking say. Jones also worried that his downfall was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, well, of course, there's a conspiracy theory to this whole thing. There's some 
some spiritual part to all of this. This is how it should be. He goes on to say, all the fake lawsuits couldn't shut us down, but you decided to believe their propaganda. He's mad at the audience now, and you believe we're going under because the lawyers told you we're going under. The Democrats told you we're going under, and you've decided, some of you, to believe that. So we've gotten less support. So what that means is he's getting less money pouring in from his listeners, and he thinks it's because the Democrats and the media has told him that the the business is going under, that the, the network will no longer be alive. Well, Alex, I got to tell you this. I don't think it's anything the Democrats said. I think it's everything you said. People are starting to see this Alex Jones. He's a fucking idiot. He's a nutcase. And that's why they're not supporting you. Jones says, okay, believe them. It'll make it true because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we were way behind to pay the bills, I could just say, well, it's time to really shut this down, he added. But that fact that it's just right there, we're almost where we need to be. And we're just almost going to beat these people. Just pisses me off. Oh, you're going to beat these people. You mean right after Donald Trump? is reinstalled as president of the United States. You've lost multiple lawsuits. You've lost multiple lawsuits. You've got a bill of $1.5 billion hanging over your head. You've got support dropping off because of the crazy shit that you do and say, the stupidity. But you have the audacity to suggest we're almost there. We're almost going to beat these people. Fuck you. Fuck you. That's not going to happen. That's not even a possibility. You're fucking done. And good riddance. However, like I said earlier, if you're looking for work, (laughs) Elon Musk needs an idiot to take over Twitter, and you seem to fit the bill quite nicely. This is an interesting story. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is reportedly scheduled to visit Washington on Wednesday as he'll be on Capitol Hill. It would be Zelensky's first time outside Ukraine since Russia's February 24th invasion of Ukraine. Now, when this war started, I got the impression that Zelensky was hiding. They were trying to find him and kill him because that's what Russia wanted to do. They thought cut off the head and kill the rest of it. How is this guy getting in a plane flying to D.C.? And honestly, since they're looking to kill you, I know you're a brave guy and you're a good leader, but if you get to Washington, why the fuck would you go back? I know. He's a better man than I. He's going to go there and fight for his country, and I respect him for doing that. He's far more courageous than I would ever be. But if you can get out from under this without getting killed, why would you go back and risk being killed? I mean, what good is that going to do your country? House Speaker Nancy Pelosi sent lawmakers a letter encouraging them to be at the Capitol in person for what she called a very special focus on democracy Wednesday night. Now, Punchbowl News made no mention if Zelensky would meet with President Joe Biden while in Washington. 
This visit comes as Congress is set to approve an omnibus bill that includes $45 billion in military and economic assistance for Ukraine. This visit could be called off for security purposes. I guess. Like I say, if they're looking for him and they want to kill him, how is he going to get on a plane and get the fuck out of there? Or maybe it's a helicopter. I I don't know how that's going to be done. But apparently, they're looking at that possibility. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about on this Rational Boomer podcast, I did talk about a little bit yesterday. I talked about it on TikTok. And I'm talking about the future of the Republican Party. I don't know. From my perspective, it's it's kind of bleak. I mean, what is the future of the Republican Party? You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene. You've got Lauren Boebert, two crazy conspiracy theorists who do nothing while in Congress. They just got elected, reelected to another term in the House of Representatives. How does that fucking happen? No matter how bad these people behave, they somehow still get reelected. That makes you question their constituency and their districts they represent. But there's another guy. There's a new guy. Republican representative-elect George Santo. George Santo seems like, well, he seems like a fucking liar is what he seems like. The New York Times on Monday, citing public documents and court records, first reported that key parts of Santos' biography were either contradicted or not supported by evidence. A CNN review of claims Santo has made about his declaration of education and employment history found the same discrepancies. It's not just discrepancies. Every place he said he went to school, they say he was never registered there. Every place he said he worked, nobody remembers him. He wasn't there. He even went so far as to say that four of his employees, in what company, I don't know, but four of his employees were killed in the Pulse nightclub shooting. Well, that turns out it's a lie. So this guy will do and say anything to get elected and did. There's even a report that uh, years ago he was convicted of a crime in like Brazil or something for passing bad checks. Why he's not still in a South American prison, I don't fucking know. 2017, he was evicted from his home because he had no money. Yet in this election... He was able to come out of pocket with $700,000. You got to wonder where that money came from. Maybe the Republican Party? I don't know. It's certainly something that should be looked at. Santos represents the kind of progress that the left is so threatened by, a gay Latino immigrant and Republican who won Biden's district in an overwhelming fashion by showing everyday voters that there's a better option than the broken promises and failed policies of the Democratic Party. This was said by Joseph Murray, an attorney for Santos. But your guy lied about everything he said he's done. Santos' biography has at times listed an education at Baruch College and New York University, earning degrees in finance and economics. 
An NYU spokesperson, John Beckman, told CNN the university's records do not reflect anyone with that name, George Anthony DeVolder Santos, having attended NYU. A spokesperson for Baruch College told CNN it could not find a record of anyone with his name or birth date attending that school. On a biography of Santos on the National Republican Congressional Committee website, he claimed he received degrees from New York University, Baruch College. CNN found that Santos specified at least two separate interviews in the fall of 2020, that he received an MBA from NYU, adding in one interview that he had zero debt from his undergraduate and graduate studies. A review of his campaign websites, however, does not show references to a master's degree. Well, of course, you don't have any tuition debt because you didn't fucking go to college. Santos' campaign biographer also included mention of experience at financial terms, Citigroup, Goldman Sachs, but both told CNN they had no record of his employment. Now, CNN also confirmed that Santos listed on his 2022 financial disclosure a salary of $750,000 this year and last at DeVolder Organization, which Santos has claimed is a family firm managing $80 million in assets. Now, a search for the DeVolder organization found that the business was registered in Florida in 2021 and was most recently temporarily deemed inactive by the state after failing to file the required annual reports. A website or LinkedIn profile could not be found, and Santos failed to report any of the clients he served in his financial disclosure. He just made this shit up. Santos also claimed he found and ran his own charity called Friends of Pets United, but no such organization was found in the IRS searchable database, nor in the registered charities in New York State and Florida. The nonprofit uh, supposedly ran from 2013 to 2018, according to a story from a local newspaper, the Queen's Gazette, announcing Santos' first run for Congress in 2019. Now, I like in the first part of the story where they said there's some discrepancy. No, nothing he said was fucking true. Nobody knows who this guy is or what he's done or if he's done anything at all. Yet he was running for the House of Representatives and he won the House of Representatives. But here's the deal. Here's the interesting thing. The Republican leaders in the state of New York are outraged. They're upset. They're concerned. They don't know what to do with this, and justifiably so. But Santos's new boss, presuming Kevin McCarthy becomes the Speaker of the House, he hasn't said fuck all about it. He hasn't said a word. He hasn't expressed any opinion at all. And it makes sense for a couple of reasons. First of all, Kevin McCarthy's majority in the House is slim. If they lose Santos, it gets even slimmer. Secondly, Santos put out a tweet saying he supported Kevin McCarthy for Speaker of the House. So Kevin needs as many votes as he can get. So he's not even going to address this situation, at least until he becomes Speaker of the House. And even afterwards, we've seen what he's done with Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, Paul Gosar and all of these people, isn't done shit. He's let them run roughshod all over him. 
So this guy is clearly a clown. This guy is clearly a pathological liar. He is not qualified to be in the position. And frankly, some people are asking him to resign before he's even started. My guess is he won't do that, especially as long as Kevin McCarthy isn't pushing him. He'll probably be seated on January 3rd, and he'll be another one of the MAGA freaks, just like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert and Paul Gosar and all those fucks. But this is the future of the Republican Party. Kevin McCarthy, the MAGA group, they are going to take control of the Republican Party by hook or by crook. There are a bunch of people trying to step away from the Republican Party, or away from MAGA anyway, But will they be strong enough to vanquish this MAGA fucking cancer that's in the Republican Party? I don't know that they will. And again, as long as that MAGA party exists just to stir things up and be fucking obnoxious, that weakens the Republican Party as a whole. And Kevin McCarthy is caught in between. The MAGAs don't like him for whatever reason. Or they're saying that because they just want him to give in to their demands so they have complete power and Kevin McCarthy has no power. And frankly, Kevin McCarthy, just to get the title, he may give up all that power, which will turn the Republican Party and the House of Representatives into an even bigger shit show. So this is going to be very interesting to watch. I guarantee you if Santos is seated in the House of Representatives, This next year, he's going to be the new Madison Cawthorn. I fucking guarantee you. He is not going to be there long. He is going to be forced out. Now that they found what they found, which is nothing, they're going to be digging in deep on him. And they're going to expose what he truly is. Clearly, he has some skeletons in the closet. And once they expose him, he is going to be gone. At the very least, he'll be gone in two years. At best, he may be forced to resign, but we'll see what happens. Now, if he does resign, of course, they have to have another special election, and presumably a Republican would win. But, you know, with all this shit coming out about the Republican Party, maybe a Democrat wins because people are tired of the fucking Republicans. I don't know for sure, but it's all possible. Anyhow, this is something we have to keep a close eye on because it is a fucking shit show. All right, we are wrapping up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to sit and listen. I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.